All right, good morning to you. We are so grateful that you are here today, and uh, it's a good day to be inside. Now, somewhere, um, someone miscommunicated because I watched the weather, and we know they're always right. And they said it's going to be sunny today, you know, mostly sunny. And I woke up, and it's like cloudy, and then I woke up and realized it rained. So somebody missed something somewhere. But anyway, we, our roof doesn't leak. We have air conditioning and heating, so you should be covered today, all right? So we're glad you're here. And it's been a long time since I said this, it seems, but I am very appreciative of our worship team. Can we say amen to that? And let's give them a round of applause. Come on, you. Oh, what is this? That's a little better. Well, I think I can clap. I'm not sure if I can or not. We'll just do this instead. Now, man, listen, I was listening to these songs, these wonderful songs. David's going to introduce a new one. He, we sang it last week, and uh, I think Sunday night and Wednesday night. I'm not sure. And uh, I know he's going to sing it tonight, and they're going to introduce it to us. And it's called, I think it's called One in a Billion. It's close to that. It has the word billion in it. And in there, again, it has the tagline. It says, God speaks and a billion failures disappear. Oh, yeah. Now, I know you perfect people don't get that. I understand. But for us failures, okay, he speaks, and a billion failures disappear. you got to like that. Amen. Hey, listen, and we sang several songs about love today. And, of course, we're in our series, Love Does. It's going to go all the way through the 1st of March, I believe it is. And uh, we'll be looking at different aspects and stories and angles and lenses of love and how it applies to to our lives. So love does, and today we're looking at love acts. Love acts. Um, you could say, um, I think I've said this before outside this series, I said, you know, compassion is love in action. Compassion is love in action. And what I'm trying to get us to see today is that we are called to act like Jesus, but not just act like Jesus, because when we say that, we do the normal thing like, yeah, I should go to church. And I should. No, no, this is more, this is bigger. This is bigger than that. Okay, that's important, but this is bigger, and that is the fact that we are to act like Jesus does in his love, in his love. Now, we learned last week love's important because here's the deal. John, not me, not me, but, but John the Apostle wrote in the Bible the Word of God, stand by the Holy Spirit, and said, you know, if you don't have the love of God, you've got the wrong daddy. If you don't have the love of God, it's not just an option. It's not something, well, if I feel like loving him today. No, no, the Bible says that if we do not love, Okay, and we are not one of his. We're not one of his. So this is a big deal. And keep in mind what I just said. I need to say this again. I know I said it last week. Remember, that's not saying, oh, I'll start loving and so I'll be a child of God. No, no, you don't love to become a child of God. You love because you are a child of God. Okay, so, so it's in your, it's your DNA thing. All right, so we're going to be preaching this morning out of John, excuse me, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to talk about it and see. It's a familiar story. Um, it's kind of like the little brother of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? So it's the feeding of the 4,000, um, so it's kind of like I said, it's not quite as famous as the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, some people say, well, it's the same event. They just got facts wrong. No, I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. It's a totally different event, and man, is it loaded um, with some great truth. And we, we saw this kind of happen about love in action. Um, it happened to involve me and Tim. Um, we were like, you know, we would go to the village. Hope you'll come tonight, by the way. We're doing our report under the steeple at 6 o'clock. And we'll have a video, and we're going to have three or four people speaking. And uh, it's worth coming to. Okay, mark her down. Um, Jeremy asked how the trip was. I said, are you coming tonight? He said, yeah. 
And uh, it's, really, it's really worth coming to. But anyway, so Tim and I, we, what we did was we did evangelism. And what that means is during the medical clinics, while they're doing the medical part, and while some women were doing the women's part, and another one's doing the children's part, um, then we had two teams that went out through the village, and we would look for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, you didn't have to look too hard. It was just about everywhere. It was everywhere. And so we walked down to the lake, and there was a man there uh, leaning up against a boat, and it was Tim's turn to share. And so he starts sharing. And what we'll do is we'll talk just a little bit, and then we'll say, hey, would you like to hear a story from the Bible? And so this day he was telling this story of Mark chapter 4 where Jesus is in the boat. Remember, we're going to the other side thing, and he falls asleep, and the disciples are afraid. And uh, so they wake him up and get him up, and he speaks, you know, peace be still, calm it down, stop. And, and it did. And it did. And the guys say, the guys say, you know, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Well, this guy right here is listening to the story, okay? And he turns out to be a believer, by the way. Um, so he's listening to the story. But there's also another boat over here. And this guy is just kind of leaning up against the boat. And so he walks over, you know, changes boats, comes over. And here, you're going to like this. So he said, so who is this man? Is he a witch doctor? I mean, he didn't know, you know? He didn't know. You know, he says, this man a witch doctor? Because he, he knew, you know, in Africa, people with power are, are, you know, often evil, okay? And he didn't know who Jesus was. He knew he could command waves and stuff. Wow, control nature. And so he was saying, is this man a witch doctor? So we tried to share with him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't too far into our trying to talk with him. Um, that, And Tim's still talking at this point. And so he says, you know... I can't hear Jesus because my stomach is empty. Now, let me say this. Hunger is not a big deal where we go. Um, Generally speaking, there's food available. But for whatever reason, this man was hungry. And he was. He was hungry. And he said, like I said, I can hear Jesus because my stomach is empty. And so we continue to share with him a little bit. And, you know, have you ever thought, you know, you would, you know, and Dave, you've done this. You know, when you when you got an ace in the hole, you know you're fixing to go boom, you know, and it's going to be a home run. Well, I had a home run. You know, Tim said something like, Brother Wayne, you jump in here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure, I'll jump right in. I said, you know, there's an amazing story in the Bible about how that, that Peter and John were going to the temple. And they're going to worship, and they ran across a beggar. And that's what he did for a living. He was a professional beggar. He was crippled. He couldn't work. It was an honorable profession back in those days. So he saw these guys come and said, aha, an easy mark. Okay? So they come up, and he's got his hand out, you know, expecting alms. And, you know, Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give you, such as I have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And Peter reaches down, and as he reaches down, takes him by the hand, his ankles receive strength, and boom, he could walk. So I asked the guy, I said, so what's better? Something that lasts a whole lifetime in eternity or a couple of coins? He said, a couple of coins. And I said, what? He's like, what? <laughs> and he goes, my stomach's hungry. And I realized, oh my gosh, I've got to take this back to America. Because we sometimes lose sight of why we do what we do. And why we do what we do is so people can hear Jesus with, with a full stomach and not an empty stomach. Or with a coat versus no coat. Or with, with school supplies versus no school supplies. 
That's what we got to do. Okay? Well, anyway, so he walked off, you know, and I kind of, you know, did the, my little thing, you know. I can't believe he said that kind of thing. You know, we preachers do that. So, anyway, so Tim continued sharing with this guy. And after about 10 minutes, we're long preachers, right? <laughs> we're just long preachers. And so, about 10 minutes later, I look up, and there's the guy. And he's on the other side of the boat now. And so I asked the interpreter, and Tim interrupted him. I said, is that the guy? And he said, yeah. You know, yeah, I said, that's him. And so it's like an epiphany. And here's what the epiphany said. Hey, dude. Man. <laughs> hey, dude. Man. I learned from last week. Hey, dude. Man. You've got food in your backpack. Give the man some food. So guess what I did? I opened up and gave him a chunk of what I had. He ended up having tuna salad and crackers and tuna, I think it was, in my hand. I walked over and said, hey, this is for your empty stomach. And I'm hoping that with this food in your belly that you'll be willing to hear Jesus. And I didn't get saved that day. But the deal was we removed that barrier of the empty stomach. Okay? And he was hungry because we were there about another 10 minutes. And I walked up the path, you know, between the two houses. And they, over there, they don't do trash cans. They just put their trash down. And there was the tuna salad container laying there. I mean, he was so hungry, he opened it right away. But the deal was, he couldn't hear because his stomach was empty. And love acts, and here's what, love acts to remove barriers that might keep a person from receiving Jesus. And that's what, that's what we are about, okay? But that's what the church should be about. That's why it's important we keep doing what we do. So we can tear down barriers from people not receiving Jesus Christ. Okay? So anyway, so now we're in Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 29. And we're going all the way through 39 today. And so here's the story. Here's the setup. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 15, 29, it says, moving on from there. Okay? So did, I mean, am I the only one that went like moving on from what? Okay? And here's the deal. You know, right before that, um, I hope you don't mind hearing the story. It's kind of funny. It's one of the funny stories in the Bible. You know, this Gentile woman, somebody say Gentile. Gentile. Okay? The Gentile woman comes up to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter is demon-possessed. I need for you to help her. And uh, Jesus said something like, well, you know, <laughs> um, you're not supposed to give food to the dogs. And, and there's a tongue-in-cheek thing going on here. Okay, I know the first thought is, he called that woman a dog. You know, but there's tongue in cheek here. I can almost see Jesus, Jesus smiling when he says it. You know, we don't, we don't give food to the dogs off the table. And then the woman said, well, yeah, but even the dogs get scraps. And what she's saying was, I'm not asking for everything. I'm just asking a scrap of your power. You know, my daughter. And that's where I can just see Jesus either smiling big or laughing. Because... He said, you've got great faith. Go home, your daughter's healed. Go home, your daughter's healed. And then it says, in verse 29, moving on from there. See, here's the deal. You know, it goes on and says, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain. He sat there. So he left that situation, moves on down the Sea of Galilee, and goes up and sits on a mountain. Okay, you know why? He was tired. He just sat down. But here's what I want you to get right off the bat, is that Jesus moved strategically. Nothing about Jesus was haphazard. 
Not, nothing about God is haphazard. So, so he sits down to take a break, all right, but it was strategic. You know, there was a time when he said he went through Samaria, and Jews avoided Samaria. And you go, why did he go through Samaria? There was a woman at the well who needed him. So you need to understand, here's your takeaway this morning for your life. God is strategic in your life. Nothing that happens to you is haphazard or accident. You know, surely, Kim and Chris, you've got to be wondering, why did it take us two, three years to get on the field? I don't know. I mean, the easy answer is people didn't get. But, but the truth is, God had timing. God had timing. Nothing is done haphazard. So if you're, as you journey through life, okay, understand you don't serve a haphazard God. That the events and circumstances of your life, I believe, are under the sovereign control of God. And so is the timing of the events of your life. So he moved on. He moved on. Now, Jesus could have stayed there and set up a church and had a great mega church right there. Okay? But he chose not to do that. He was constantly moving because he's under strategic control of the Father. In fact, at verse 39, where we're going to end up today, here's what it says there. So after dismissing the crowds, after saying, hey, thank you guys for coming today. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed lunch today. And uh, God bless you. Y'all going your way. Okay? After he did that, okay, he got into a boat and went to Magdalene. Okay? So, so he again moved on. So think about it. Have you ever wondered why God moved Jesus around so much? Because here's it. Love is always seeking. Love is always seeking. Um, here's, here's a slide we got this morning. Love is always on the move. Not just on the move. Love is on the move looking for opportunities to express itself to those in need. Okay, And then the illustration is, as a hound hot on the trail, so love seeks. You know, you've seen a hound, if you haven't, you see on TV, I've seen it personally. You get a hunting dog out, you know, when he knows he's in the woods, he starts baying. Oh, oh, isn't that pretty good? Yeah. Oh, and boy, you get that dog out, and you hold it on the leash, he's just pulling at the leash, saying, let me go, let me go, I'm hot on the trail. And man, he can't wait to get released. That's how love should be. You know, love should be so aggressively seeking opportunities. You know, there's one thing I want you to be aware of, and it's true of all three of your pastors. You know, Brent, we just celebrated 25 years. I've been here 20 years. Uh, David's coming up on 14 years. It's awful easy to get complacent. It's awful easy to go, well, we did it this year. Let's just do it the same way. And, and we want to be leaders. We want to be ministers that are constantly leading our people in this church to be seeking new opportunities to love. Not for just the we're not a social ministry, not for the purpose of just loving, but earning the trust to share Jesus Christ with people. So like a like a hound that wants to get on the trail, so love should seek out. Okay? So now watch verse number 30, the first part. And we break this verse up in a couple parts. Here's verse 30. And large crowds came to him. Now now tie it together. Tie it together, okay? So so, moving on from there, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up to a mountain and he sat down, okay? And large crowds came to him. Now, I don't want to be a spoiler, okay? But when the Bible says large crowds, it means large crowds. Well, what kind of large crowd, Wayne? Oh, about 8,000. Before it's all said and done, about 8,000. 
Okay? Now, here's the deal. There was no advanced team, Brent. It wasn't like the Billy Graham Crusades where you see it on Channel 3, you're here on WBBN. You know, there's something big coming, something big coming, something big coming. Jesus just sat down. But apparently, and, and by the way, there's no record that the boys went. In fact, this is a desolate area. We're going to see this in a few minutes. It's like out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, someone found out Jesus was there who told someone, 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 who told someone. And before long, there's a large crowd gathered there. And therein is the power of love. You want to grow a church? Be a loving church. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's cool that we got great worship. We try to be faithful in our teaching of the Word of God. And we need a good facility. All those things. But if you want to be a church that is on the move, be a loving church. Be a loving church. Um, here's something I wrote. You know, love seeks. Love seeks. Okay? Love attracts. Love seeks. Love's always on the move, looking for opportunities to express itself. A hound dog on trail. But love also seeks. So, so here, here we see these people seeking out Jesus. Love seeks, but love also attracts. I mean, just the, wherever Jesus went, you know this story, wherever Jesus went, people were drawn to him. They were drawn to him, okay? People are drawn to genuine love like a moth to the light. You turn on a light, and I, we do this in Africa, you know, we turn on these lights, and all of a sudden, like nine zillion bugs show up, okay? Well, that's the way it is with love. You know, when you genuinely love people, they're drawn to that. And boy, they can tell. I'm telling you, they can tell when it's real and when it's not. They can see the real deal and when it's not the real deal. And so, and so here, here, you know, the people are drawn to this. Okay? Now, now I want to give you another illustration. Beth, go ahead and throw up that next slide. I called it the magnetic properties of love. The magnetic properties of love. Um, you will find... That love attracts those different from you. Okay? So, you ever wonder, Stan, you, you wonder how people end up at a church? Okay? Well, what happens in our case, have you, you know we're in a, a small neighborhood without any signage in town, but still people manage to find our way. And what happens normally is either one of our events, people learn about Doorsville, or you talk about Doorsville, and people come. They're drawn to that. But here's what we've got to make sure we understand. Often those people are different than us. Often those people are different than us. Okay? So, so understand that love, like a magnet, draws something opposite, which is iron. Okay? A magnet will draw iron and pull it together. That's what love should do for us. Love should cause those who are different to be pulled into the church. Pulled into the church. Now, here's something else. Without love... We become only attractive to ourselves. Me first. Me first. Put two magnets together and they repel. Put two magnets together, they repel. Put iron and a magnet together and they're pulled together. You know, one of the greatest things, you can write this one down, one of the greatest dangers to the local church is me first. Me church. And honestly, I'm going to be very candid with you. One of the fears that I have for Dorisville is that we will lose this love factor without love. We will lose, we will stop being a loving church and then we become like so many other churches in our area and beyond. And beyond. So it's important we keep love at the focus. It's important we keep love smack dab in the middle. We cannot let ourselves become a me first church. 
And I don't need to describe to you what that looks like. Okay? It's when our priorities are what matter. Me first. Me first. Well, okay, here's verse 30, the second part. So the large clouds, crowds come to him, and the second part of verse 30, including the lame. Now, the lame would be the ones carried on blankets, okay? Um, we'll, we see that in the Bible in Matthew chapter 9, okay? The guys bring this man, and he's, he's pulled together. Not only can he not walk, he's, he's totally, well, he's lame, okay? Um, then the blind, okay? You don't need an explanation there. People who can't see. Um, the crippled would be ones on crutches. They're mobile, but crippled. Okay? And, interestingly, he says, those unable to speak. Now, he, he probably mentions this because just a chapter back, one of the big miracles was a mute man was made to speak. It's probably why that was there. Okay? But, but just to cover everything, he says, um, but, and many others. So, so here's what's really cool. So, so here's Jesus sitting on a mountaintop. Somebody finds out he's there. He starts drawing this large crowd, and part of this large crowd are all these disenfranchised people. Societal castaways. Okay? Now, we've got all kinds of laws in place in America to make sure that you can't be prejudiced because, you know, special needs people, handicapped people, all that. Okay? That didn't exist here. Okay? So, so if you were lame or something like that, you were thrown away. You're a societal throwaway. You're disposable. Disposable. Okay? But look what happens. I mean, this is weird. This is biblically weird. Okay? Because the Bible says they, the crowd, put them at his feet and he healed them. Societal norm would have been, I don't have time for you, you're not worth saving, you're a nothing. But somehow in this culture, um, they put these people at Jesus' feet. Now there's a couple things really cool. Um, This is a great picture of the church, by the way. What's weird is these are all mostly all Gentiles. This is a Gentile area. It is not a Jewish crowd. It's a Gentile. The feeding of the 5,000 was a Jewish crowd. Okay? The feeding of the 4,000 is going to be a Gentile crowd. All right? Had time, I'd go a little bit further than that. Don't have time. But they're a Gentile crowd. And these Gentiles are acting like the church ought to act. See, we should be finding the disenfranchised and the broken people and bringing them to Jesus. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's one of the things I went, wow, that's good, God. Really? That's what we're about. We go out and find the broken, those in need of rescue, those society has thrown away, the, the people that in Harrisburg, the people in Harrisburg that society doesn't want should feel welcome at Dorisville. Amen. Amen. The homeless folks, yeah. The needy people, yeah. You know, got a felon, you should still be welcome at Dorisville. Be careful about you. We should be welcome at Dorisville. I love this. I love this. The King James, I picked this up from one of the commentaries. The King James Version picks on something, picks up on something in the Greek that's pretty cool. Um, the King James Version says instead of saying um, they put them at his feet, they cast him at his feet. And apparently in the Greek, there's the idea of bringing and dropping off. Bringing and dropping off. So apparently, the crowd began coming out here, and they would have a blind man and take him by the hand and drop him off at the feet of Jesus, and then go find somebody else. Is that not somewhat like the church? We're supposed to bring them in and go find somebody else. Go find somebody else. Go find somebody else. Go find somebody else. Okay? Well, apparently, that's what was happening. 
Okay? So he kept bringing these people. Now, now again, I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler because we're only going to touch on it at the very end. And the big deal is this. Again, before it's all said and done, there are 4,000 men, okay, plus women and children. So an estimated crowd of at least 8,000 people. Okay? And so, so a chunk of these people that are come and dropped off at the healer, okay? And guess what the healer does? He heals them. Isn't that good? He heals them. I mean, see, that's what God does. Yeah, God's a rescuer. God's a redeemer. God's a grace extender. God finds the broken and puts them back together. Guess what God does? And our job, Brent, is to bring them in. Our job is not to save anybody or fix anybody. We often, we preach love to fix people. Y'all come in with broken marriages, we're going to fix you up. God's the only fixer. He's the fixer. So, so they bring him and, and puts him at his feet, drops him off, and goes get more, and he begins to heal them. Okay? Now, in verse 31, it says this. So the crowd was amazed. So the crowd, these, these gathering masses, are amazed. Okay? I love the New King James says they marveled. They marveled at this. And here's what they marveled at. So the crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to speak talking. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. The crippled restored. The lame walking. And the blind seeing. Yeah, come on. Is that cool what? I mean, you be, I mean, I'm telling you, can you imagine this? You, hey, hey, Brad! Brad, listen, hey, dude, I know you're blind. I'm going to lead you to Jesus, okay? And, I, and I'm going to take you there. I've heard that he's healing people. So you take Fred, and you take Fred, and you drop him off at the feet of Jesus because you know George is lame, so you're going to get George. So, hey, Fred, here's Jesus right here. He's going to, he, you know, he said he can heal you, okay? So the next day, the dude goes and sees Fred. And guess what? Fred ain't blind anymore. Fred's walking around. Fred! How you doing, bud? 2020, baby. 2020, baby. Isn't that awesome? I mean, can you imagine that? They, they, they take a guy on a blanket who's all scribbled up, and the next day you see him out there normal? Woo! Shoot that thing. Love acts. Love redeems. Love heals. So, so he sees them there, and they can see this, and look what happens. They gave glory to the God of Israel. Because remember, they're Gentiles. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. He's in a, Jew, he's in a Gentile portion of, of the Decapolis is where he is. And that's the bigger story. Okay? So, so they were amazed at this. Now, real quick, there's enough, because I want to leave this out. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 8, there's a guy on a map. Okay? And they remember the four guys bring him to Jesus? Okay, they bring him to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus says, Son, your sins be forgiven you. And the Pharisees got all mad about it. Okay, and puffed up. And, and so Jesus says, Well, listen. You know, I don't know what's easier to you. Whether say your sins be forgiven or, or rise up and walk. But so you might believe that I'm the Son of God. He looked at the man and said, Rise up and walk. And he did. And he did. And here's what the people said there. And when the crowd saw this, now listen, listen, listen. They were awestruck. They were awestruck. So they were amazed, they marveled, and they were awestruck. 
And they gave glory to God. And it's a Jewish crowd. And they gave glory to God who had given such authority to man. So, you know, there's a commercial. It's one of those commercials that won't give up. And, you know, what's in your wallet? I don't know how long things been on TV, but it's been first. It's kind of like Flo. Flo needs to die. I've seen enough Flo. I've seen enough Flo. Uh, but anyway, and so, and so anyway, you know, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? So, so here's my question this morning. What amazes you? What amazes you? Are, are you still amazed? We're doing something like totally different this morning. Um, Dave found this. I, I once said, hey, Dave, this isn't our video. You see us. We're going to show you an incredible video that you've probably seen before, but it's going to be like fresh, okay? And it really poses, it poses the thought and the idea that Jesus is so amazing. Beth, would you play that video, please?
so the question this morning is, are we still amazed? Have we somehow lost the amazement? Are we like the couple who was married for 10 years and one day he or she wakes up and the amazement has gone out of the marriage? You know, you, you might say, well, Dwayne, if, if, only, if only I could see the blind receive sight or the lame walk, if I could see that, then I would be amazed. Well, see, here's the deal. You know, the, the big news is not that God still does miracles. He does. The big news is we don't recognize them. We don't recognize them. Um, we remember um, back in, in the early days of, of our Niger ministry, um, we got there as a second trip. And uh, Tim and Dave Wink and myself and Matt Wink at that time and several others were there. Uh, Tim Orr was there. And we got there and they said, you know, we need rain. We've talked to our witch doctors. They can't do it. Amethyst priests can't do it. Um, so maybe your God can do that. You remember the story? It's, it's crazy. It's like 07, I think, somewhere in there. And so we, um, we prayed and we got a hold of you guys and asked you to pray. And uh, you watched on radar what happened in, in Oblock. Rain came. Uh, G says she was up, still fresh, still fresh. And she watched as the storms developed over Avalok. And uh, we were outside, we woke up, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and we woke up, and the clouds came, and the wind was blowing ferociously, and it rained three inches. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Three inches. And the next day, the, the chief called us back and said, we're amazed because... Our, doc- our wish doctors could do nothing, but your God, your God did something. Your God, and they're amazed. And that was a miracle. It was a miracle, you know. Um, in about 09, 10, somewhere in there, we were in, in Mali, and we were doing a medical clinic, and Dr. Oliver was with us, and Matt, Dr. Matt was with us. And um, we, we ministered all day long in eye clinics, all of that. And at the end of the day, we were all tired and wore out. Here comes a father with a little girl. And she had fallen about 25 feet out of a tree, landed smack on her head on a rock. And so Dr. Matt and Dr. Oliver move in. They could do nothing for this child. When they put the flashlight in her eyes, pupils were fixed. The heart was beating, but there was no activity. And so we simply just, you know, we started praying. We asked, you know, God, please do something big in this person's life. And they stayed with her all night long. And sometime in the morning... She started waking up. And then later on that day, we got a message from the father. She's up, she's talking, and she's walking. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Just ones that we've experienced. But, but, but again, you don't get it. But you remember that feeling um, that when you, know, you, were, you finally got somebody to say yes to marry you guys? And um, you remember the day you were married, and she came through the door and was there in that white gown... And she looked magnificent, and you said, you know, I cannot believe that she married a guy like me, you know? And it's kind of like a miracle to you, you know? Or, or mom, you've got your brand new baby, and they bring it to you for the first time, and you look in and see those eyes and the little mouth and nose, and you realize something. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that, did you know that we, we can predict the sunrise, well, if the world would last that long, thousands of years in the future. God's work was so precise. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. But here's the part you really don't get. You. If you've experienced God's grace, you're the biggest miracle in town. 
you're the biggest miracle in town. It'd be great to see eyes that are opened or another little girl raised virtually from the dead. But you're the greatest miracle. And I'm telling you this. If we start living like the miracle we are, when we understand what you know, God's grace and what he's done for us, it will so radically be different from what the world knows, they will come and be amazed. See, people are attracted by amazement. And we've got to act like we're amazed because we are. Amen? Like we are. Like we are. So, so therefore, again, we need to live like we believe Jesus is who he is and because exactly he is. So, so what's happened to the church? Why, why aren't we living these amazing lives? You know, why are we not doing that? I, I, think it's, I think it's normalcy. It's a normalcy thing. Um, um, you know, we, we allow ourselves to slip into everyday routine, you know, and it's really, you know, if every day is not very amazing unless you're intentionally looking for it, um, we, we, we lose something when that happens. We, were, we went to Africa this time, you know, just to do what, 12, 14 days ago? And it's really cool. Um, Ron's church took some money up and bought a generator. So the big news when we got in Africa was, is that, hey, you're going to have lights. I mean, you know, we did. I mean, we went to the bathroom, we did buy a flashlight, you know. Um, and so it was really cool. So we're all excited about that. So we got there, and sure enough, there were bulbs everywhere. It was like a city on a hill, as James described it. But in that new normalcy, we lost two things. See, a sense of normalcy can result in loss. One of the biggest things about Africa are the stars. Are the stars. You get out there and it's dark, you know, because there's no lights. And you look up, and Brent is just amazing. I know you can probably see it in the Grand Canyon or out in Montana somewhere where it's, you know, less light pollution. But there, there's no light. And we're just seeing that. Well, with the new normalcy, we couldn't see the stars. We lost that because of the new normalcy. The new normalcy. Um, you know, if you know anything about Africa and us, we love to worship. Beat those drums, man. That's all they had. There's like no harmonicas and no bass drums and no nothing. Just well, we got ready, you know, we were ready to hear them worship, and there were no drums. They had an electric keyboard. And trust me, I'm all for electric keyboards, especially in America. But in Africa, we lost something. The new normalcy cost us. The new normalcy of America, it's kind of like toast without butter. It's food, but it's just not very palatable. And you know what's sad about that? Is Jesus is still amazing. We've just got to not be settled for the new normalcy. I, I think, you know, again, if we want, you know, I see so many chairs empty this morning, and that's okay. You know, I'm not hung up on numbers in that sense. But we have got to be so amazed by Jesus that like moss to the light, like iron drawn to a magnet, people are drawn to this place. And they need to know it's a safe place. It's a safe place. Um, Greg Rochelle, by the way, you just lost the feeling of 4,000. 
You read that another time. Gregory Shell tells a story. He was a new preacher, just got to do a few gigs every once in a while, wasn't a pastor or anything. And they invited him to preach at a church. And so he went to the church, and he was all excited about it. And all of a sudden, there's a ripple in the congregation. There wasn't that many. Uh, I think about 40 or 50, if I remember the story correctly. And here's the, here was the news. There's a visitor in the parking lot. They were so excited. Someone was visiting their church. And so he picked up on it, and sure enough, in comes this young lady um, from the parking lot. And I, I never, I can't remember, or I don't know if he said, was her dress not up to standards, or was it inappropriate? Doesn't matter. She came to church. And I don't know if it was dirty or tattered or too short or too low. I don't know. But the sad part is, an elder walked up to her and said, we do not allow that kind of dress here. You'll have to leave. And she did. And she did. If we're doing this thing right, Brent, if we're, if we're doing this church thing right, if we live amazing lives, not amazing like, ooh, we're superstars, but that we're following the sun, if we're going to do that, and we have the privilege of drawing people different from us, when they get here, we have got to love on them. Amen. We have got to love. They may not smell like us. They may not dress like us. It may be inappropriate. Uh, they may have more tattoos than a squadron of sailors. I'm telling you, Jesus, if we're going to act like Jesus, Jesus would embrace them and love them. Amen. I want to challenge us today to do exactly that. Love acts. Love is compassion in action. And somehow they found he was there. They're attracted to him. They go and get all these broken people. Jesus heals them. And the people were amazed. He's still amazing. So the invitation is this. Number one, if you're here today, and uh, you may be listening on Facebook Live, you may be on the radio, or you may be out here in this room, you know, and you've heard about Jesus maybe for the first time. Kind of like the guy that, oh, is this guy a witch doctor? You know, you don't know who Jesus is. But by now you're probably going, sounds like someone to investigate. My brother friend Brent's going to be standing out front. We call this our time of decision. And I want to invite you to come. And we're going to try to answer your question about Jesus. I mean, it's just amazing that 2,000 years after he lived, we're still talking about him. He was just a Jewish carpenter, just a Jewish carpenter. By all means, if that's all he was, we shouldn't even be talking about him. We shouldn't even know his name. The reason we do is he was more than just a Jewish carpenter. He was Emmanuel, God in the flesh, son of God. And that's why we're talking about him. And he died on the Roman cross like this for us, that we could have forgiveness of sins. The ultimate act of love was his sacrificial death on the cross. So we want to tell you about that. So, so again, if you're on Facebook Live or on the radio, I, I would hope that you would come, okay, and that you'd call and say, hey, can somebody come see me? I want to know more about this Jesus. And it will be our privilege to do that, our privilege to do that. So if you're here today, um, I want to challenge you to be amazed. I want, first off, I want to challenge you to recognize what you are and who you are, okay? Because Satan has beat too many of us up. Now, being a failure, always going to be a failure, okay? Being less than, always going to be less than. 
You, if you've trusted Christ, are a child of God. You're no longer a slave to fear, the song says. You are a child of God. Believe that and live that. Be amazed. Because when you're amazed, people will be attracted to your amazement. When we gather together as a corporate body, let's come in amazed. Because amazing worship attracts people to Jesus. To Jesus. So if you're here today and you've been beat up, disenfranchised, perhaps even by the church, I invite you to come home. Come home. And you'll find the Father with his arms wide open. And be amazed at his amazing, wonderful grace. Let's bow our heads, please. Hmm. Father, thank you so very much. I got to pause after that. Because it sounds like trite words, and they're not. Thank you so much for being so amazing. Thank you that your word is so amazing. It includes all these wonderful true stories to help us, to motivate us, to want to live for you and love you like I should. And God, I believe all my heart that you can help us be amazed. Help us do away that new normalcy that, that church is just church. Optional. That worship is just worship. And optional. Like prayer is just prayer. Just optional. And help us once again to be amazed. Thank you for the example of that Gentile nation who brought people and dropped them off at the feet of Jesus and leaving the amazing, incredible change to happen uh, through you. So if there's a friend here today or maybe on the radio or on Facebook Live um, who does not know you, oh, may today be the day. May whatever obstacle they have that keeps them from hearing Jesus be removed today. It probably is an empty stomach. There might have been a time of judgment when someone claimed to be a Christian judged them. I don't know. Help them to be overcome, overcomers, and receive your grace and faith today. And help us, God, to be amazed. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.